this is perfect timing for this podcast. We're very candid. I'm very sleep deprived. So this couldn't have come at a better time. And we won't focus on my issue because it's a temporary, I think, temporary issue. I'm pregnant, as a lot of my guests know, and I'm having pregnant insomnia. But what a more perfect time to be talking about sleep because I am so sleep deprived. So um, I just have so much empathy for people that have struggled with any form of insomnia. It's very, it's brutal. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Lauren.Live, the spirituality and health podcast. I've got Morgan Ray with me. How are you doing today? Good, Lauren. How are you? Good. Thank you for being on the show. Yeah. I am stoked about today. We are talking about sleep. We have never talked about that um, in detail on the show. So this is going to be really cool for for all of us because that's a huge part of our life is sleep. And um, Morgan is a sleep coach. She's a breast cancer survivor. And um, she has a sleep makeover uh, program, which we're going to talk about. So let's dive in. Who are you and how did you get into this specialized area? Yeah, well, I never studied to be a sleep coach. My, my professional background, I mean, I have a master's in social work and I've had a career in sales and public health and marketing communications. So there was no school for sleep coach back in the day when I was coming up, but I got interested in this because, um, about 15, 16 years ago, I had a bout with insomnia that was triggered by a personal crisis in my life. And at that time, I really didn't know what to do other than take my doctor's advice and uh, take sleeping pills. And I'll just share, it was Ambien. I think everyone's mm-hmm. heard of that. It's a very house, common household brand. And I took Ambien for about eight years. And, you know, we can, we can talk more about that particular experience if you want later on, but I eventually did stop taking Ambien at the, at the request, very kind request of my now husband who saw, who was disturbed by my zombie like state after taking Ambien when we first started dating. And I, I leaned myself off the pills by myself, white knuckled it. I didn't really know how to stop other than just keep cutting the pills down. I wish I had had a sleep coach back then. They, I don't think they existed, but it would have been nice to have that support back then. I ended up getting off the Ambien just fine. And I, my sleep normalized. I slept pretty well for several years after that. I wasn't like the best sleeper, but I I got by. And then March of 2020 hit. And like a lot of people, my sleep started to tank just because of all the changes that were going on, the uncertainty, you know, the, the fear in the media. Um, And I got concerned because I did not want to go back down that road of insomnia that I had been on before. So I started to be very proactive and I started Googling, you know, sleep tips, how to sleep better, sleep hygiene, all those things. And I started to just, you know, implement some small, small strategies. I got myself an aura ring for anyone who can see this. Sorry, that's my wedding ring. (laughs) This is my, what's, what's wrong? I have the wrong hand up. Um, I I bought an aura ring because I really wanted to actually track to see like if I was making some improvements and it actually did work. Um, You know, I was doing things that were just very small and um, attainable 
And I started sharing some of these things on social media just because I found it really interesting. And I come to find out that a lot of other people in my social circle were struggling with sleep around this time in the early pandemic. And they were very grateful for, for me sharing these tips. So um, later in, I guess, uh, late 2020, I had a revelation that I needed to become a sleep, a sleep coach. I had been wanting to do something very impactful in the health sphere since my first breast cancer diagnosis in 2018, but I didn't know what that would look like at the time. But I just it just hit me like a ton of bricks. I need to help people with sleep. So once I made that decision, I had, had to figure out, well, how does one do this? <laughs> so that began another path of researching. So I've gotten a health coaching certificate and a couple of different sleep coaching uh, certifications. And then last summer, summer of 21, I started my sleep coaching practice. And it's been absolutely phenomenal for me as far as figuring out what I want to do and seeing people actually be able to get better sleep without having to take prescription meds like I had to take in the beginning. Mm -hmm. So that is, that is kind of how I arrived at where I am now. Mm -hmm. Wow. Isn't it amazing? The silver linings of the pandemic, a lot of people shifted into doing different things. Like I started the podcast during the pandemic and then, you know, look at you help you had your own issues and, and came to some conclusions and I want to help people during that. Like that's, I love that. So and I mean, you, I know you had struggled with sleep before that, but it sounds like that really propelled it. Um, I think that's really great. Um, and I want to make a correction. I hope I, I'm second guessing myself now, but I think I might've said your last name wrong for the audience, Morgan Adams. I was telling yeah, Morgan, you said it. okay, I thought I said the <laughs> a previous guest, I had a Morgana on and I, this is perfect timing for this podcast. We're very candid. I am very sleep deprived, so this couldn't have come at a better time. And we won't focus on my issue because it's a temporary, I think, temporary issue. I'm pregnant, as a lot of my guests know, and I'm having pregnant insomnia. But what a more perfect time to be talking about sleep because I am so sleep deprived. So um, I just have so much empathy for people that have struggled with any form of insomnia. It's very, it's brutal. It's mentally, yeah. it causes, you know, exhaustion and anxiety and um, just not being able to feel yourself and function normally. And then, you know, having to take things, which I do want to dive into that, um, shortly, um, sure. just cause I think that's a huge thing that people that struggle, we obviously, we have, sometimes we take things or like in your case, you were taking, I mean, for eight years. Um, but do you want to just give like a basic, like found foundation of just like sleep. So, I mean, obviously we know sleep is critical for survival and everyone's different, but I don't know, we say the average, this is not true for everyone. Maybe the average would be six to eight hours, probably for most of the population. Would you say that's what we aim yeah. for? Well, the national sleep foundation recommends seven to nine hours for adults. Wow. And about 70% of our population can, is usually getting by on about you know six to nine hours. Mm -hmm. um, there are definitely people who are outliers, right? And some people can, can get by on a little bit less than six hours and feel great. And then there's some people who need, you know, nine, 10 hours. I kind of like to talk about sleep as a shoe size. Like we all have different shoe sizes. So there's this sort of myth, I think going around that everyone needs eight hours of sleep. Mm -hmm. And I think where that, I think kind of where that comes from is 
the recommendation from the Sleep Foundation is seven to nine. So they pick eight as a happy medium. And it sounds good. And it's probably, you know, the case for most people is they, most people probably do want eight hours of sleep, but not everyone needs it. And so when it comes to people who are, you know, have a lot of anxiety about their sleep or they have insomnia and they keep hearing that magic eight number, it's stressful for them because they might, might not actually need eight hours that maybe they need seven. Mm-hmm. You know, I personally, um, my body actually doesn't produce eight hours. Right. It produces seven and a half and, and I'm good with that. I feel fine. Um, any less than seven, I'm kind of riding the struggle bus mm-hmm. a little bit, but I think everyone um, just has their own kind of personal sleep blueprint and, the best thing to do is just find out what it is. And one of the, one of the great ways to do that is to, you know, take a week where maybe you don't have any like pressing responsibilities. Maybe you're on vacation and you let yourself sleep, um, you know, kind of go to bed when you're tired and wake up when you, when you, when you wake up, you don't have an alarm. And then you kind of take like an average of that amount of time over the week that you've slept And that's probably going to be your personal sleep need. So it's not, not, it's not super hard to find out, but it's, it's a good thing for people to know what their own is. And when you don't have enough, you usually know. You can feel it. Wow. (laughs) Nine hours seems so foreign to me. That is insane. (laughs) Like, I don't think I've ever slept that long, maybe when I was like a teenager, but oh my goodness. Um, yeah, I just feel, and I've talked to so many friends and people too. Like, I just know, I don't know if it's like a woman thing with me, like motherhood too. It's just, I think too, our bodies get into a habit, right? So like people that do work up or wake up at 6 a.m., let's say every day during the week for work, even on weekends when there's no alarm, they tend to wake up around that time. Like we kind of get into these habits. So I think it'd be interesting. I know a lot of my friends and I, like we survive once you've had kids, that really does mess things up, but like for a while at least, but we're surviving on like six hours, like a a good night would be six and a half hours. If if you got seven, that's like the jackpot. (laughs) So, um, you know, it's like, we kind of learn how to function and I'm sure our hormones keep us going and we just, you just do it, but I know it's not necessarily ideal. So how do you even begin? I know you have coaching programs to, to, you know, help people with this, but just like basics, like how would you kind of train yourself if you do feel tired and you're waking up at 6 a.m. because your body's just used to it? Like, how would you start to learn how to sleep maybe till 7 a.m.? Or what? Well, you know, there, there, there are different things you could do. Um, like, I would say probably waking up at the same time of day is actually a good idea. Like, kind of going back to what you said, because our bodies really crave that regularity and a very firm, like uh, anchor wake up time is actually a good thing. So I encourage all of my clients to, who, who are having trouble sleeping to wake up with regularity every day, d- depend, no matter what, it, whether it's the weekend or the weekday, because what ends up happening is when you wake up at a certain time every day, you're more likely to be tired around the same time every night right? You have a pretty much an equal amount of sleep pressure built up at a certain time. And so that, that anchor point with that, that wake up time is actually such a good thing. Um, so I would say that would be very, very important. 
to, to remember um, what ends up happening sometimes. And this has happened to me personally, myself, I can definitely attest to this. It's um, a phenomenon called social jet lag. And I'll kind of explain what that is. So in my situation, it was, I was on the weekend, I was staying up to like 1am watching Saturday night live. (laughs) And, you know, then I was sleeping till nine um, on the weekend. And then I would have to get up at six for work on Monday. And so if you think about it, you've got, you're waking up um, a three hour difference between like the weekend and the weekday. So that's essentially like having a cross country flight. Um, You're basically giving yourself jet lag on purpose. (laughs) So what ends up happening is Monday is a real drag. Like you're, you're just wanting more coffee. Um, It's hard to focus. And sometimes it's hard to get to bed on Monday night. And then usually by like Tuesday, Wednesday, you recover, but you only to do it again the following week. So what I encourage folks to do is if they really, really like, let's just say they go out Friday or Saturday night to a party, like we need to socialize. We need to like prioritize having fun. You know, sometimes we need to prioritize that over like a full night of sleep, in my opinion, um, to get that social capital built up. So let's just say you've, you've gone to a party or out till midnight and you, and you are going to bed later than your normal 10 o'clock PM um, going to bedtime. It's actually okay to sleep in by like an hour on the weekend. If you've gone to bed a little bit too late and, and, but anything over an hour, you're kind of putting yourself in that kind of like social jet lag danger zone. So, um, so yeah, that's just one thing that I really focus in with my clients because they, they really, they're struggling so much with their sleep. They need that, that firm, like mm-hmm. wake up time to get their, their circadian rhythm, uh, entrained. Totally. And not everyone does this, but like I sleep trained my baby. She's a toddler now, but, um, setting that sleep foundation and she really does love it. Like she goes to bed at the same time. She wakes up at the same time. Like, I think if we could all do that, that would really be so helpful, but obviously it's not always practical. Like you said, you have to live your life, but generally I think that can really help to have that same routine and schedule. Yeah. And And not only sleep, I'll just add that um, we have some pretty strong circadian pacemakers that um, are not just, you know, our sleep and wake up time, but our, our light exposure is important to have. Um, it's also really good to have your eating windows to be around the same time um, every day and your exercise and even socializing. So the more regularity you can achieve and your daily routine, the stronger your circadian patterns are going to be. So, um, so I definitely, you know, recommend that, you know, my clients eat, you know, within a two hour window, like of their meals to try to keep regular and, um, and also to, to work, to pick a certain time to work out, whether, whether they're working out in the morning, afternoon, or evening, just picking that consistency because our bodies and our brains, just like you, you mentioned earlier, you know, babies love regularity and we love regularity. It just helps us really, really strengthen mm-hmm. that sleep wake cycle. Totally. Yeah. I think it's fascinating. I'm glad you brought up the light. I actually <clears throat> wanted to talk about that. I've heard, um, like, you know, our vitamin D exposure, uh, UV exposure, like sunlight and, and all that can really help during the day, can really help our sleep at night. 
um, just because it plays a role, right, in, in everything. And like we have like melatonin produced and hormones and the circadian rhythm. And I think one thing that's hard is, you know, and we adapt, of course, but you think about our ancestors. They probably went to bed a lot earlier than we do because they didn't have things like TV, f- social media, movies. Um, you know what I mean? Like some of the things that we do in our evening time, they didn't have that. They they were working all day to survive, had their campfire and dinner, probably relaxed. It got dark and then they go to bed, right? Whereas we're staying up a lot later. They probably woke up a lot earlier with the light. And so I think usually when it's dark, it's kind of time to start winding down. When it's light, start winding, you know, you're waking up for the day. And so I think, again, yes, we adapt. It's fine. But there's got to be a something within that where we're probably going to bed as a, in general a little too late. I think I am. Um, and I know that I look at my, it's a bad habit. I know I do look at my phone sometimes probably too close to bedtime, which I know can really screw things up that blue light. That's not really a secret anymore, but what are your thoughts on like, I try to like tone the lights down in my house a couple hours before bed, even like I'll have it on the lowest dim setting just to kind of set the mood. Like are things like that helpful to prepare our brains? Yeah. You described it really well, Lauren, because when we look at our ancestors, they did have those patterns. They would get up with the sun Mm -hmm. and then they would, they would hunt, they would get tired and then they would go to bed on, you know, having just eaten and there was no light to do anything else. So they, they couldn't like entertain themselves. They just had to go to bed. (laughs) So yeah, you're really, you're spot on with that. And um, I think that, dimming the lights is like such an important part of our evening routine that I don't think a lot of people quite get yet. Um, so if you have, I would say probably, you know, a couple hours before bed, start, start dimming them down. So if you have overhead lights, um, turn those off and turn on, um, table lamps. I mean, if you really want to go to town, you could actually get candles Mm -hmm. or sometimes there are a lot of biohackers that I know who actually have red lights in their home at night. Now I haven't gone that far, but I I think it's cool. I just haven't, (laughs) it's a commitment, right. To like do your whole house in red light. Mm -hmm. Um, and I would say that is a, that is a really, really smart practice, um, to just prepare our bodies for sleep with that lowered light. And also I would recommend, circadian rhythm, um, or circadian, uh, trained glasses. So basically like blue blocking glasses at night, because if you are going to be watching TV or you are going to be on your computer working or texting somebody, it's just a good practice to, to protect your eyes from the, from the blue light. I will say that there is some argument in looking at the, the, the actual content we're consuming as too overstimulating versus the blue light. Um, because I'll, I'll just share an example. I, I personally watch TV at night. Like some people are like shocked. They're like a sleep coach watches TV right before bed. That's part of my wind down routine. It really is. But the way that I do it and I'm able to sleep is I watch on a regular TV, like not a, not a laptop. And I'm fairly far away from the TV I have on my red shades, my darkest, like tended blue light blocking glasses, and I'm watching content that is not stimulating. So I think that 
when you are engaging with any type of content, whether it's TV or you're on social media, anything that is too stimulating um, could be a problem. So they've also talked about a lot. If you are an, like an active participant in whatever activity you're doing digitally, like if you're gaming or if you're um, like scrolling and you're actively like commenting on things like that could be just a little bit too much. So, um, you know, it's a lot better to like, I'd say read on a Kindle, even though there is blue light than to be, you know, gaming or doing something like that that's active and stimulating your brain. Wow. Yeah. Those are good tips. Um, I agree with you. Cause I mean, I've watched certain shows like close to bed, like Ozark or something. I don't know if anyone's watched that. And then it's just like, it's just not like it can be pretty dark and then you're like laying in bed and I notice I'm like thinking about that. If I'm like in the awake in the middle of the night, I'm like, that is not good. So I agree like content, if you are going to watch or do something, check out the content and um, the, just the flashing of action movies. Like I just don't think that's very relaxing. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you brought up the glasses. I actually just jotted that down. I've been meaning <laughs> to do that. I, Cause I, for me, it's just not realistic. Like I, I am going to be on my phone with like, you know, social media and different stuff at the podcast. Yeah. Like it's just for me, that's my time that I have to do that. Um, so I, I do think the glasses, that would be a really great tip. I'm going to try those. Um, and just in case people aren't familiar, a lot of people already know this, but our phones, our laptops, our TVs, it's all blue light. And that unfortunately does mess with our brains. It's telling us like it's alert time. It's awake time versus what, you know, Morgan was talking about red based. It'd be so cool if we could start having, we need to create a demand for it. If they could create laptops and phones with red, and I'm sure there's things you could put on your phones, of course, and stuff, but it'd be cool if they could really make them more red based because that doesn't mess with a, a stimulation as yeah. much. So. Yeah. There are a couple hacks you can use on your devices. Mm -hmm. There is, um, there's a program or an app called Flux, mm -hmm. F-L-U- X, and it basically changes the hue of your screen to more of a yellow toned um, hue. Yeah. And there's also um, things on your smartphone that you can do. Right. Um, I think it's called night shift on the yeah. iPhone. Yeah, I have that and on, but it's still, I it's, still think it, it's messing, but I, it's better. You're yeah. right. And I always turn down the um, brightness all the way. Like if it's at, yeah. you know, like late and I'm yeah. looking. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's, there, there's another tip too, that I recently learned about, um, you can go to your phone and configure it to do grayscale. Mm. So essentially your phone is sort of like black and white. So it's, it's sort of, it's sort of inhibiting your wanting your desire to like keep using it sure. because like, it's not as, it's not as appealing to watch right. on grayscale. So the idea is maybe you won't be scrolling as long on, on Instagram or whatever, mm -hmm. Um, so that could, that could be helpful for, for some people. And then another tip I heard was, is to, um, you, if you want to be on your phone at night, like you can stand by your bed, but you can't, you can't lie in your bed or sit on, sit in your bed in school. Like you have to, like, if you really want social media, stand by your bed sure. within like five minutes, you're gonna be like, Oh God, I gotta sit down. Yeah. Or, <laughs> so, or like, look on, I've been trying to do it where I'll like sit in the living room on the couch and look, and then when I go to bed, I'm like, that's it. Like no more phone in the bedroom, like little rules like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just set some of those boundary setting mm -hmm. things can be really, really helpful. Mm -hmm. That's because it is, they're so addicting and it's, you know, I think that's why, I mean, 
they are, they're blue light. It's appealing. It's bright, but that's just, it's not ideal for us at night. And I, one more thing on the, um, candlelight, I had I listened to a podcast on sleep and a while ago, and it was talking about that. And this guy was super, he was a biohacker, super strict. And I think it was like 7 PM and later, like he only had red light based, you know, lanterns and, um, candles in his home, which is a commitment, but, um, if you're really, really struggling with sleep, it might be worth a try. Because again, that's what our ancestors did. They, they had yeah. fire, which is red light based, right? Absolutely. We, yeah. That, yeah. That red is mimicking a fire. Right. And so it's it's tapping back to that ancestral mm-hmm. you know knowledge we had. Right. And I think it definitely could work. I mean, one day I might get there. But yeah. I think, like, I feel personally very, very comfortable with my very dark red shades. I wear yeah. them when I watch TV. And I literally do get kind of tired when I wear them within like 45 minutes. Good. And so also I'm most like, of our light bulbs, just again, like, cause I'm hoping people will learn things if you already know it. Great. But, um, most light bulbs, led and all these smart bulbs are all blue light based. Yeah. So if you want yeah. to commit to this, even to maybe just one or two lamps that you're going to use it in the evening, put a red light in there. That'd be my yeah. worth a try. Yeah. And there's also, um, I know on Amazon, there's, uh, definitely companies that, sell not red light, um, light bulbs, but ones that are more sleep friendly, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. yellow based. So they're out there. It's just, it's, it's a commitment to have to, to shop for them. I mean, when we bought our house two years ago, I mean, everything was like brand new and like the, every, all the lights were like super bright. And I had to hire an electrician to put a dimmer switch Mm -hmm. on them so that I could, so that I could have some semblance of control over like the brightness. Cause I was like, this is, I mean, granted they were, you know, obviously trying to build a nice house, but I'm like, this light situation is not going to fly for for me in my sleep. So you just have to sometimes make adjustments in your house and You'll know. I I think, I mean, we can move on, but this could be a whole episode. Light, light (laughs) is so crazy. And I have made some of those small adjustments. Um, not perfect because I'll still watch TV on occasion or something, but, um, like even when I'm washing my face in my bathroom before bed and brushing my teeth, I have my nightlight on, but it's by the sink. But instead of, I couldn't even imagine now, once you've done that, having that bright light on, it's like, oh my gosh, it's so overwhelming. So once you kind of do get used to a routine, it's pretty easy to adjust. So I think Mm -hmm. encourage people if you are struggling with sleep and relaxing, um, play around with the lighting. That's one really easy. Yeah, that's Easy. a great, it's a great hack. It's, yeah. and it's pretty accessible, right? You don't have to spend a gazillion dollars mm-hmm. doing it. Totally. Um, very cool. Well, I definitely want to get into sleep aids. There's obviously a lot of natural ones, which are better. I'd be interested to get your opinion on those. Um, and then obviously there's a lot of people either using them all the time or occasionally sleeping pills, or, you know, for me, just cause it's, hormonal based and I can't really switch it at this point, no matter what I do. Like I've tried everything with the pregnancy things. I've been taking Unisom, which is pretty gentle. Um, but you know, there are people out there that are taking sleeping pills and things all the time. I mean, yeah, sometimes we have to do, we have to do to survive, but overall, like, because you've been through that and now you have so much knowledge on sleep, like, can you chat with us just about what's going on with that? Is it like tricking your body into sleeping and yeah, well, my take on sleeping pills is that um, kind of going back to the beginning from like when somebody, you know, recognizes they have a sleeping problem and they want to get help. They usually the first thing they do is they see their primary care doctor. And that doctor usually has 
10, 15 minutes to spend with their patient. And what typically ends up happening now, there are exceptions, but what typically happens is that the doctor maybe gives a couple sleep hygiene tips and along with a prescription for a sleeping pill like Ambien or Lunesta Sonata, one of the sedative hypnotics. And the problem is, is that they don't really, the, the primary care doctors, I mean, they, they do have a purpose, a place, I'm not knocking them, but the unfortunate reality is that they are very, very lacking in sleep science training and the the study of sleep. They've only gotten on average about two hours of sleep curriculum in their whole medical school career, which is absurd in my opinion, because we spend a third of our lives sleeping. I mean, that should be a very large chunk of what they study because sleeping problems are rampant in our society. So um, what ends up happening is they will give a prescription for a sleeping pill, but they don't really, for the most part, have a plan in place for the patient. So what they really should be doing is if they, if they're going to give a a prescription out to somebody and that it's not always a bad thing to do because uh, crises come up like deaths, divorces, job losses. I think in a temporary situation like that, if you need a sleeping pill to, to get through life on a temporary basis, I don't really see a problem with that, but the, the issue is that the, the prescriptions are give, sort of given out as like refill as needed. And that's not how per, sleeping pills were made to be used. They actually have on their label, they're meant for like two week use. They're, mm. they're not meant, they say clearly on the label, they're not meant for long-term use. So that's a, a, a big problem. And, um, Going back to just like sleeping pills themselves, the the issue is that something like an Ambien or a sedative hypnotic, it's not going to actually give you truly restorative sleep. It's more of a sedative because it's not taking your brain through all the different stages of sleep in the regular pattern, right? So it's kind of it's it's kind of just messing up the the cycle. Um, you are actually able to fall asleep a little bit more quickly. I mean, as evidenced by my eight years with Ambien, I could not get to sleep. It took me two hours, but if I had an Ambien, I was out in like like 15 minutes. And I was very happy about that because that's more appealing than spending two hours in bed suffering. Um, but when you look at the average time uh, more it gives you of sleep, you're getting about 11 to 12 minutes on average, more a night of sleep. Mm. And that's not a significant amount more. Um, And there's a book by Matthew Walker, Dr. Matthew Walker called why we sleep. And he has a huge section on sleeping pills and he really goes through it very in depth about the, the risks that come with long-term sleeping pill use. So I don't want to like scare anybody by going deep into it, but if that's something that interests Mm -hmm. folks listening, um, they could definitely check out that book for more information about some of the longer term studies on sleeping pill use. But I did grab one quote from him, from, from his book that I'll share. It just shook me. I was like, Whoa. So he said, Quote, ambient induced sleep caused a 50% weakening or unwiring of the brain cell connections originally formed in learning. In doing so, ambient laced sleep became a memory eraser. 
Mm. I mean, wow. Like to, to like not have your memories intact because of a pill is, is actually really frightening. Um, so if anyone out there is listening, who is currently on a prescription sleeping pill and wants to stop, my suggestion would be to contact your prescribing doctor and say, Hey, look, I'm ready to stop using these and come up with some kind of a plan on how to wean off because there it's, you need some kind of direction. It's very difficult to do it on your own. And kind of where I come into the picture as a sleep coach, I mean, I have a lot of women who contact me because they don't want to continue their sleeping pill because they, they have read about my story with Ambien. And so they're like, okay, well, she is kind of like me just a little bit further down the road. And my role is not, I'm not trying to play the role of doctor. It's just out of my scope of practice, but my role as a sleep coach is to help that client of mine through that process of getting off the pills with their doctor's direction. Of course, I just want to be really clear about that. So I'm there for the support and the accountability. And also I'm there for helping them gain sleep confidence. So they don't feel they need those pills because they really are, they really are crutches and the the pills have not proven to make you function better the next day. You actually function better on a bad night of sleep than on being kind of in a zombie like right. state because I, and in fact, back in 2013, there was an actual label change on Ambien because what they were noticing is that the dose was too great for most women. So most women were taking the prescribed dose, you know, for men and women, but they were not clearing it from their systems mm-hmm. and soon enough. And that actually described me very well because I was like a literal zombie in the morning when I would get up from Ambien mm-hmm. and do sleep. And the scary part is, is like, I drove downtown to work, mm-hmm. you know, like, I mean, I'm, I'm like really grateful. I didn't cause an accident because I probably wasn't really cleared to drive. Like I, 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 I'm sure that the medication was still in my system. Hence I was so groggy. Um, so I, you know, I just want to share that you are not condemned for life on sleeping pills if, if you are currently on them and want to get off. But it is a, it's a personal choice. You know, it's it's if you want to get off of them, there is a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good advice. And yeah, of course, you know, it's always a slippery slope. You have to be careful. I we talk a lot about different health things, and like we're not doctors, but just from my experience, and yeah, you know, get guidance yeah. from your doctor. But it's possible. That's it's nice to hear your story that it is possible. And um, um, I've also heard friends and people that have taken the dreams are crazy. Some people, everyone's different too, right? Everyone's affected differently, but like sleepwalking, that can get really scary. Like you don't even know what you're doing in the middle of the night. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I had um, binge eating uh, episodes at night. Oh I mean, that didn't hurt anyone but me. But that's crazy. Yeah, that it, it, it actually hurts your sleep even more because if you're binge eating at night, what does that do to your sleep? Right. It's, it's terrible for it. Wow. Um, there have definitely been many reports of people who are on sleeping pills driving. Mm. Um, they don't you know, remember. Her, they, yeah, it's, you could, I mean, I know people who have like shopped online. I mean, that's not hurting anyone else but themselves, sure. but still it's just, 
it's just a scary thing to, to surrender the control mm-hmm. over to a pill. Right. Yeah. And I agree with you that like temporary use, like I said, like I'm trying not to take the Xenosoms every night, but like after four or five really hard nights, it's nice to have a night where I do fall asleep, you know, sooner. Or yeah. if I wake up in yeah. the night, I'm not laying there for two hours. Like I just do it to kind of get by. It's a temporary thing. And I'll try to take a half a dose sometimes. Like I just think balance versus like, full speed every single night. And that's hard. It depends on your situation, of course. But um, I wanted to to ask you, though, are there any, what are your opinion on some of the natural um, things? Sometimes I feel like they don't work. Sometimes I feel like it can relax you. Like I've, there's like certain brands like um, Ollie, those gummies, like the sleep gummies or Calm's Forte. And again, like I've tried them. Sometimes I feel like they don't really do much, but Um, are you like pro using some of those sometimes to help with relaxation or, you know, in my practice, I don't really try to push supplements on my clients. Mm -hmm. Um, however, if they are on sleeping pills and they are trying to get off sleeping pills, I will often suggest a supplement to, as a bridge to get, to give them more confidence because it's very hard to go from sleeping pills to literally nothing, but, but I'm not a huge proponent of relying on supplements to help you sleep because I don't, I really truly don't feel that they are a huge needle mover Mm. um, to help our sleep. Um, I, I am a big fan of magnesium for everybody Mm. um, because it, one, most people are deficient in magnesium and magnesium affects hundreds of bodily functions and, it helps with things other than sleep. But where I find the value as sort of a quote sleep aid is that it does promote some degree of relaxation. It's working on the GABA receptors. So if you are somewhat of an anxious person, it could potentially make you a little more calm and that could maybe make it easier for you to fall asleep, but it's not, it's not directly acting on, you know, the areas of your brain that are getting you to sleep. Um, melatonin is something that people ask me all the time about. And that a lot of people, I think, misuse melatonin as a sleep aid. It's, it's actually not a sleep aid. It, it doesn't get you to sleep. What it does is it kind of affects the, your timing of sleep. So you can look at it as sort of like a little dose of sunset. It tells your body, Hey, it's, it's, we're getting ready for the nighttime. Melatonin is an incredible hormone. It is an incredible, um, it is incredible hormone that has many, many benefits beyond using it for, you know, sleep. Um, it is an antioxidant. Um, I was prescribed it for cancer when I was going through that journey. It is got so many uses. Um, but I would caution people from using massive doses of melatonin thinking that is going to get them to sleep because it's probably not going to be super helpful. If someone does want to try melatonin, what I would suggest is going to like just looking online to find a melatonin that is USP certified. What that means is that the actual ingredients in the pill matches what it says on the bottle they did a study years ago where they randomly pulled melatonin supplements from shelves and there was a wild variance in what was actually reported. Um, most of the melatonins were 
actually way more potent than they advertised on the bottle. Now, technically, from what I've heard and read about melatonin, you can't really overdose on it. There's no, not like a toxic level. But the issue is that if you are thinking that you're grabbing a three milligram melatonin and it's 15 milligrams, you could potentially be groggy the next morning. And nobody wants that. I mean, who, who wants to be groggy in the morning? So if you are going to do the melatonin for sleep purposes, USP certified also start with like 0.5 milligrams to one milligram. And that dose can actually be a little tricky to find because when you look on, on the shelves at most stores, they, they run maybe three, five milligrams, which isn't like a lot, but it's probably more than most people need. Um, melatonin can be very useful for, for jet lag for circadian rhythm disorder. So there is a, there is a place for it in sleep, but as a sleep aid for somebody who has insomnia or trouble sleeping, I just don't think it's, it's a game changer. Okay. Yeah. We hear a lot about melatonin. I've had some friends that take it fairly regularly and I've heard feedback that it does make them groggy. So they might be taking too much. That'd be yeah, interesting to play It's very around. possible. I mean, I do many, many experiments with supplements uh, using my aura ring um, I don't really personally feel like I need supplements, um, but I, f- I find it kind of fun to experiment with yeah. things. And I went through a, a stretch where I took melatonin. Um, as I mentioned, it was um, prescribed by my doctor for cancer, but I also knew, okay, people take melatonin for sleep. So let's see what happens with my aura ring. I didn't have any improvements mm. in my aura ring. I didn't feel like it helped me sleep at all. And it, it was like five milligrams. Mm-hmm. So um you know, yeah, sometimes yeah. it's a placebo effect. I was just going to say that literally I was <laughs> I mean, say, just taking something. You're like, okay, I'm going to sleep better. Yeah, that's true. And there's nothing, and there's nothing wrong with a placebo effect. Yeah. There really isn't, but it's just sort of like, well, do you want to waste your resources on something that's not actually doing anything for you? Right. And you know, supplements are expensive, not like the calms forte and those things, but like magnesium, like I actually just tried that to see if that would help me. And I actually had a question for you. Um, cause I do know that a lot of us are deficient. Um, especially I know that we have like reverse osmosis water. And so that means your trace minerals are stripped, which magnesium and stuff like that. I'm not getting as much. So I try to supplement that with some drops, but, um, do, when you take like magnesium, um, like if I just were to take like a dose, like tonight and tomorrow night, a couple nights, like, should it start working in my body? Or is that something that I would need to build up for a while because I might be deficient? Hmm, that's a good question. I don't really, I don't really know, know yeah. the, the deep mechanism of action of magnesium mm-hmm. and, 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 and like how long it takes sure. to take effect. But I personally just take um, a couple magnesiums. I think I take probably total 400 milligrams mm-hmm. a couple hours before bed. Yeah. Um, sometimes people like to take, take it a little bit um, later than that, like a little bit closer to bedtime. Mm-hmm. But um, I experiment every every now and again, but it's just more convenient for me to just take them at a certain yeah. time. And it's good um, for other things too. So I guess. It can yeah. Hurt, I mean, it's, it's really good for so many of our bodily systems, um, our brain, our cardiovascular health. I mean, just, there's a multitude of things. So I feel like most people should be taking a magnesium supplement as just part of their regular supplementation routine. And I'm not, uh, I'm not like, I try to be, I mean, it's sometimes tempting because I'm consuming a lot of information all the time. I get like a lot of um, 
not a lot, but like I get some companies reaching out going, try our supplement and try this. And it's, you know, it's kind of fun to experiment, but like at the end of the day, like I really, I really personally am trying to like keep, keep it, keep it a lean, yeah. a lean thing, you know, not, not to like overcomplicate things. And, and cause you just, if you're, if you're eating, you know, like a whole foods diet, you should, you should be getting most of your nutrients, but um, looking at supplements is just supplementing, you know, you can't like, you can't get everything from them. That's true. Yeah. It's all about balance and that, yeah, that's really interesting. I was also going to say this is going back and then I wanted to ask you um, about your program, but um, when you were talking about the memory, this is, I just reminded this. I also had heard some studies about like Tylenol PM, which any of those nighttime they're using similar things. Um, Benadryl, it can, they've done studies now and it could be potentially linked to like dementia and different things like that. Yeah. Long-term use, not like once in a while, but long-term use. And so that, that's so scary to think like these things that we're taking and then it could have a long-term effect. It's just like you yeah. said, I think just ideally, yes, if you need it in, in trauma moments of life here and there on an occasional night, like I'm totally for that. I've used things like that, but um, just not to have a crutch would be a goal and you yes. know, take your time, yes. work with somebody to help you. But I think just not having that crutch is so freeing, but also there are a lot of health benefits to not being on, on these yeah. things that are making yeah. you drowsy. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you're right. There have been some studies linking anticholinergic medications, um, like Benadryl, mm -hmm. things like that. Um, they've linked them to memory loss mm -hmm. and dementia. And I was listening to a podcast where a woman in her forties who was using those substances regularly for sleep actually started noting memory problems and she was only in her forties. Wow. So it's not just in like the elderly. Sure. So, I mean, I, you know, I really, and again, clients do come to me who are on those yeah. um, and they know they want to stop using them. Those are not quite as difficult to, to get off of as, you know, a prescription med, but right. it is, it is used quite often as a crutch, Yeah, definitely. but, and you know, they, they like, to your point, they do have their purpose. Um, short term, short term. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Fascinating stuff. Um, well, before we wrap up, can you just share a little bit about your program? Um, if someone were interested, like what does it look like and, and kind of like how you work with your clients? Sure. So I have a sleep coaching program called my sleep makeover. It is for women, um, of all ages, but I, I, I tend to attract a lot of women in midlife because I am in midlife. <laughs> so like attracts like, and what I do is I take, uh, I take my clients through a six week, a six week program where they meet with me one-to-one -one via zoom. And we really go deep into why they're having trouble sleeping. And I'm implementing lots and lots of different, um, interventions for them and having them try different things. Um, a lot of them do have insomnia, like diagnosable insomnia. So I weave in some techniques. We didn't really touch on this, but just briefly, there's something called CBTI for insomnia, cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia. And some of the techniques are um, very easy to implement. You don't actually need to be a physician to do it. They've got tons of self, self health, help, self help books on how to do it. Um, but it is very behavioral, um, behaviorally based and, um, 
it can be a little challenging. So it's very helpful to have a guide, an accountability person and somebody to be there for support. So I do implement some of those things. I did, I go fairly deep into um, your chronotype, trying to figure out what your chronotype is, build a schedule around your chronotype so that you have like a very solid evening and morning routine. And we also explore um, your sleep beliefs and attitudes and work on correcting some of the ones that are, are, are not helpful because a lot of times um, when we have trouble sleeping, the daytime consequences can be so devastating and we get ourselves into a really negative feedback loop in our head. And some of the techniques that I use can help mitigate those really negative feelings and, and thoughts that you have during the day and the night. And um, in between appointments, I have, I have a messenger app that my clients can communicate with me between sessions if they get stuck. So I, I stay in touch with them and really kind of watch over them because it's a really, it, it can, you know, some of my clients are, you know, in a really precarious situation um, with their sleep and, and need a lot of support. Yeah. Wow. That's really cool. I love it. I mean, hopefully things will, you know, pan out better for me with this, but I'm, I'll, I'm going to keep you on my radar because, you know, it's so hard, like, especially like I said, just from my experience, like the childhood phase, you're just, there's so much disruption. So it's just interesting in life. You look at um, different parts of people's life. Your sleep is different. Yes. And um, and then, yes. you know, like you said, I think a lot of it probably has to do with stress and anxiety and different things like that. You may not even be aware of it. It could be subconscious. Some people might be aware of why. But, um, yeah, attitudes towards it. So I think there's a lot of therapy you could do there and then, of course, the sleep habits and, and routines and, you know, not having your phone on uh, Wi-Fi by your head. That's another one, right? right. Turn it. I've been right. turning yeah. it on airplane phone mode. out of your bedroom. Just yeah. get it out. And airplane mode so it's not <laughs> yeah. radiating by your skull all night. Little, yes. There's little biohacks to help, but totally. Um, this has been so cool. And I really hope that people have learned something new. They're thinking about it more. If you have been struggling with sleep, um, we're going to put um, Morgan's information in the show notes. Can you let everybody know where they can find you? Sure. My website is morganadamswellness.com. I am pretty active on Instagram. I do a lot of sleep tips and insights and I'm morganadams.wellness on Instagram. Okay. So I love interacting with folks. So just DM me if you if you want to chat sleep. And I also offer a complimentary clarity call for anyone who wants to explore the sleep coaching program. So just reach out. I love chat and sleep. Yeah. Thank you for your work that you're doing to help people. Thank <laughs> you. Amazing. Yeah. Thanks everybody for listening. Have a great day. 